Shravya, it has been too long since we last did an episode. So true, but we'll catch up with everything in no time. Yeah, like four top ten babies being born. Huh? What about Felix winning three titles? What? Okay, maybe we missed a little more than anticipated. Hello everyone and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts Josefina and Shravya. Shravya and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Josefina and I are a high school and college gal duo and two tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the female Gen Z voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. Okay. Hello! (laughs) (laughs) We are not, in fact, dead. Yeah, very much alive. Too, Too alive. Doing too much is what we are doing, yes. Yeah, let's just, like, inform our listeners about why it has been, like, literally six weeks since an episode. We are so sorry. Yeah. And we have no, like, Hotter is not dying. Like, it's not going away. But Josefina and I just happen to be in, like, two of the busiest times of our lives. Yeah. No, the two busiest times of our lives. I just started college. So first quarter, freshman year adjusting to college starting college is a huge adjustment and then josephina you're in the midst of college app season yeah 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 it's super super fun over here it's so (laughs) fun i remember being in that spot one year ago yeah well this is actually the longest hiatus hold on to your racket has ever taken and honestly Mm -hmm. for six weeks that's not that bad I've seen other podcasts take years <laughs> off, so... True, true. We're not and doing horrible. We were actually really excited for this because this is also the first time Josephina and I have spoken on, like, aside from texting. Yeah, because that's how you know, last episode, like, we're so I busy. Think. Because not yeah. only have we not recorded, we've literally not spoken. Like, <laughs> we we've literally haven't. And the past week, we've barely texted, which was also really sad. But that just means that this episode is going to be fun. It's going to be informative. We caught up on everything that's been going on in the tennis world. And we're excited to talk about it because we do have some really interesting hot headlines. We do have the WTA finals coming up in Fort Worth, Texas. I was actually trying to convince one of my friends to go with me one day to watch the finals because he lives in Texas. And he was like, let's do it. And then I'm like, no, I have a chem midterm next week, so maybe not. But if we change our minds and somehow sort it out, it would have been amazing to go. But I just think it's so cool that the WTA finals are happening so close to home for us and compared to, like, usually we had them in Singapore for so long, last year Guadalajara, but I feel like Fort Worth is good energy for this event. Yeah. And honestly, maybe totally achievable next year. Maybe. Maybe. Hopefully. But um, let's get started with our hot headlines. So first up, we have some good, like... ATP WTA teaming up news, which is the United Cup. So this is going to be a mixed team competition, 
And this is how WTA described it. The first annual United Cup will debut January 2023. Mixed teams from 18 countries will compete across three Australian cities, Brisbane, Perth, and Sydney, over 11 days. Each team will comprise up to four men and up to four women. So the ATP and WTA are partnering with Tennis Australia for this event, and there's going to be a 15 million US dollar purse, as well as 500 ATP points and 500 WTA points being awarded to the winners. So it seems very, very cool and something that fans have been asking for for a long time. Yeah, it seems like a revival of the Hopman Cup, which was another mixed team competition we had in place for a while, but kind of disappeared over the past couple of years. So it's nice to see Tennis United really materializing um, and something that fans have really been looking forward to. And I'm saying this as Josefina is sipping water out of a 2021 U.S. Open Souvenir Cup. So we love to see. um, See, like, we haven't detached from the tennis world. We've just, like, been drowning in work. Yeah. Um, like, you can't give up we'll the aesthetic it. of being a tennis fan. Like, that's just... No, no. of course not. It is... Oh, my God. It is so funny, the amount of people, freshmen on campus, who come up to me and they're like, are you the tennis girl? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I've, like, somehow, like, have had a, a, a reputation in my grade, which is huge, of being the tennis girl because people kind of saw, like, a bunch of U.S. Open posts over the summer indian wells pose um like city open toronto open podcast stuff people ask me a lot about the podcast and a couple days ago one of my friends was asking me when's your next episode coming out no and I was way like, you know good question um <laughs> finally we're about to, a bunch of my friends have been like there's no way you're continuing that in college you have too, too much work to do i was like so true but also like this is just not, like, no. Like, sorry. It's not something We're... you give up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like um, the break was okay, but just, like, giving up on this, that's a no for me. <laughs> no, and I'm also just already, like, what? We are five minutes into this conversation, and I feel like this is some of the best energy we've had. I think we've definitely missed podcasting, and, you know, it, it was just a bit of a personal adjustment, I think, for us. Josephina and I have talked about that at times, but, you know. Naomi we... Osaka-type beat. okay Uh, we actually like i don't know i feel like it's hard but we're we're excited because i feel like this year you know josephine and i are like yeah we had a conversation we're like yeah we do want to continue this so this is nice and we also have to as you said keep up with our aesthetic that we have both respectfully respectively curated um, another top story is Simona Halep failing a drug test. Where did that come from? So the two-time Grand Slam champion has been provisionally suspended after testing positive for a banned substance, Roxa Dustat, at the U.S. Open. I'm so not pronouncing that correctly. But basically the reason why this drug is banned is because it increases red blood cell count, which therefore increases oxygen delivery to the muscles, and this is going to lead to enhanced endurance. So um, the World Anti-Doping Agency added this to their banned substance list. Um, and Simona, once she found out about this result and, you know, spoke out about it, expressed pure shock in her statement. She said, Today begins the hardest match of my life, a fight for the truth. Throughout my whole career, the idea of cheating never even crossed my mind once as it is totally against all the values I have been educated with. 
Facing such an unfair situation, I feel completely confused and betrayed. I will fight until the end to prove that I have never knowingly took any prohibited substance, and I have faith that sooner or later, the truth will come out. <clears throat> so, so, yeah. Definitely some drama there. I believe Patrick Moradoglu also spoke out saying that she would never have taken the substance knowingly. Um, well, Josefina and I have our thoughts on Patrick and what's going on here, but this is, like, really... This is big. A big deal because Simona's talked about how she was ready to retire last year from tennis and only and she went through a lot of mental health issues and then this year she came back <clears throat> with this intention to keep playing because she rediscovered her love for the sport. She partnered up with Patrick. She was doing well actually and playing really well. And then to hear this news and seemingly to her it seems like it's out of nowhere. I don't know. It just seems like so uber specific like that a type of substance you know what i mean for it to be an accident like i don't you know what i don't know enough about this stuff to say any like actual you know credited opinions to have any but um just very very interesting stuff but the fact that she took such like a firm standpoint against the fact that it had happened that's what's getting me here it's like what is really going on but um, besides that news, we have some very, very happy news. A lot of very, very happy news because there have been so many babies born. And three of them are of former top, no, former world number ones, which is insane. So on October 8th, Rafael Nadal had a baby boy, or his wife did, um, Mary, and we have been hearing about his um his wife being pregnant for a little bit now but i didn't realize how soon she was due until the news came out and then daniel medvedev announced a baby girl on october 14th and we knew nothing about this but the cutest thing is that daniel said that when he when his daughter was born he felt a lot of emotions for the first time saying that his whole life he's been a quiet and cold person and she made him realize that he can be a sensitive person which is so so cute that is so cute so adorable yeah october was a very baby full month like i'm just like looking at her notes right now and i'm like this is ridiculous like we also had gail monfis and alina svitolina with um their baby girl sky on october 15th and caroline wozniacki had another child james on October 24th. So these are some like top tennis players all having October birthday, like baby birthdays. Um, but yeah, that, that is some good news from the month of tennis that we have entirely missed. Okay, so let's get straight into tennis talk. It's been a little bit, but um, there is some tennis that we missed, so we're going to go over that. Don't think that we're just leaving you hanging. So first, let's start with the WTA, and here we have the Ostrava 500 taking place in the Czech Republic with Krajcikova, Barbie K, defeating Iga Swiatek. Okay. Wait, literally, where did that come from? Like, like, like I'm sorry, like... <laughs> my question is why? Like, why? why? Literally, why? Like, you like, weren't going to make the WTA finals anyways in singles. Yeah. <laughs> no, so true. So true. Um, we also had the San Diego 500 where Iga Swiatek then you know kind of got revenge um and she defeated donna vekic to take that title so krychikova robbed her of the yastrava title but shviatek got 
another one pretty quickly. But honestly, like, Iga still slaying. US, like, she's the U.S. Open champion, as we know. Um, French Open champion as well. And she's just continuing to establish herself as the best player of the year. Like, it's just, like, she is on this steamroll. And I am wary to say more because this is what we were saying about Naomi. Like, I don't even know if we were we had the podcast during this time but maybe we did but we've said this about naomi in the past in terms of like yeah like this is showing signs of her being the next dominant player um and we're seeing similar if not more success from iga Swiatek. so i'm really curious to see how she's gonna do in fort worth um because that's kind of like her opportunity to really show herself against the top players so that's been really good for her. And then we had the WTA 1000 in Guadalajara where Jessica Pagula defeated Maria Sacre, which is something that Josefina and I were super excited to see. Mm-hmm. Because with this win, Jessica Pagula rose to a career high of world number three, which is absolutely insane from her. And with Coco Goff at world number four, this is the first time two Americans are in the top four since 2010, and you can probably guess who the last two Americans were. They were <laughs> Serena Williams and Venus Williams. So definitely tracking in some very, very iconic footsteps here. And then next up, we have the ATP, where um, let's start with Tokyo 500, where Taylor Fritz won. So this is actually an interesting story. Fritz was quarantined with COVID for seven days, in Seoul and then he came home with the 500 title in Tokyo yeah that made sense (laughs) (laughs) that was basically I mean Morgan Riddle our we love her kind of spoke about this on her um, Instagram story but that's crazy Taylor was in South Korea ready to play the tournament there got COVID was quarantined and then immediately comes back after that week-long quarantine and wins this title in Tokyo. And it's a 500-level title. Like, this is a big deal. He defeated Francis Tiafo in the final. Um, and he made his top 10 debut with this title. This is his third title ever. And um, we saw him win Indian Wells earlier this year. So Taylor Fritz has been another one of those players, as we've been talking about all this season, who has made those big strides. Um, he's currently 8th in the race to Turin. He and Felix are kind of right next to each other, so it is a little bit tricky. Um because Fritz is having an amazing year, and we'd be excited to see him there. But I just read there is an interesting rule that Novak Djokovic, because he is a current Grand Slam champion in the 2022 season, as long as he stays within the top 20 of the race, he is guaranteed a spot in the finals. So because he of that... He definitely made that up just so he can play. <laughs> oh so, there is, so there is definitely, you know, a chance that, you know, Fritz could get knocked out. But um, there is still time. We have Paris going on right now, the Masters 1000. But um, I really, and you agree with me, really want to see Taylor Fritz in the ATP finals just because he has been having an insane season. And that way we get, like, premium content from Morgan of the finals. Exactly. So then we have the Astana 500 where Novak Djokovic, okay, defeated Stefano Tsitsipas in the final. And he also won the Tel Aviv 250 recently. So since he is, like Shravi said, like this whole thing with the staying in the top 20, he would secure a spot. Um, 
So it's not looking too horrible for him right now since he did just win a 500 title, which is not bad at all. But um, yeah, so next up we have the Earth Bank Open, the also another 500 where Daniil Medvedev defeated Denis Shapovalov for his second title of the season. Very impressive from Shapovalov, though. I feel like we haven't seen him this deep in a tournament for a while. And I don't understand. Like, Josephine, like, I don't understand him. Like, I don't. I just don't. Like, there's literally no point in trying. It's <laughs> just, he's different. I just, like, think that one time you described him as the ATP himbo on the podcast. And that description, just, like, I haven't heard anything else that could be more accurate than that. Like, that's just the way to describe him on and off the court. Like, sometimes you see him making these stupid decisions and you're like, what the actual heck are you doing? No, because when his, like, 13-year-old boy comes out, wow, such a horribly behaved player sometimes, and it's just so surprising, because other times he's so nice, like, oh my god, I started an Instagram account to promote people um, rescuing animals, like, amazing, but then you go yell at an umpire with, like, some very mean words. (laughs) No, I know, like, it's just, it's just silly, like, that's just, like, he's just silly. He's so silly. Okay, so Daniel, he continues to succeed on these indoor hard courts, and let's see if he could pull a good one off in Paris, because he did win last year, so he would be defending. Mm-hmm. Okay, this next tight, like, this next tournament, and just the story behind it, and behind its winner, absolutely mind-boggled me, because Josefina and I, as we said, have been beyond busy the past couple of months so sometimes like for example like i knew jessica pugula won guadalajara and i was like oh my god that's amazing like i knew shuatek was doing well i knew that you know daniel was doing something and Djokovic kind of won two titles this i did not know so the swiss indoors basel the 500 tournament not only did felix ogarliassim win this tournament this was his third title in a row he has won three titles in a row we did not we did not know that that's something we probably should have known, but this was his 13th straight win in the final where he defeated Holger Rune after winning two other 250s prior no, to this tournament. No, because that's the thing. Like, that's what everyone's been saying. Once he breaks that ceiling, this kid is going to be unstoppable, and I think we're this just starting insane. to see this. And I'm really, I, it's, it's just like, we saw him doing better at the slams this year. We saw him take that first title a while ago. Um, I forget where, but it was also an indoor hardcore tournament. Hamburg? And was it Hamburg? I, I, I don't know. No, I think Hamburg is clay. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't remember when. But now Felix is seventh in the race. He's 725 points ahead of Taylor Fritz. So because of this whole Djokovic thing, it's really between Felix and Fritz now in terms of, like, who's going to qualify. We also have Hubert Hurkacz in ninth. But I am just, you know, I don't know. I mean, oh, wait, sorry. We have Felix... At 6th, Andre Rublev at 7th, Taylor Fritz is 8th, and Hubert Hurkacz is ninth, and Novak Djokovic is 10th. But again, we talked about that rule that could allow Djokovic to come in, so Felix really put himself in a good position jumping up to 6th, kind of getting himself out of that bottom spot, which would be technically number 7, um, instead of 8 because of this whole situation. So it's really between Rublev and Fritz, and I mean, this was clearly very key for Felix to pull off this impressive 13 match win streak to set himself in really good position for Turin. 
Yeah, and I'm very excited to see how this plays out. Because, like, this is all going to be decided after the Paris Masters tournament. So Mm -hmm. I am very excited to see what happens there. And, you know, for once, I feel like there's something to look forward to for an indoor tennis tournament. Yes. (laughs) I do want to mention something real quick, which is about Casper Ruud, because I saw him here as fourth in the race, obviously, after his U.S. Open final run and the success he's had this season. Because I was curious about, like, okay, like, what do we expect from him going into this? And we're probably going to talk about this in a later episode. He has not won that many matches since his U.S. Open final. So, this is, like, usually we see this in the WTA. I feel like not only do we have a really interesting tournament in Fort Worth going on right now, which we're just about to talk about, but this ATP field, I feel like, is way less straightforward than I've ever seen in the year-end finals. True. Yeah, because, like, you would think usually we have, like, one player that's, like, guaranteed at the top, like Novak Djokovic or Daniel Medvedev, but neither of them have had perfect seasons. None of these players have, except maybe Carlos Alcaraz, but even he... Actually, no, there's nothing wrong with Carlos Alcaraz right now. Um, But um, either way, you get what we're saying. It's just, like, let's just... I guess only time will tell. Exactly. We do, though currently have a wonderful tournament going on in Fort Worth. The WTA Finals, this is one of my personal favorite tournaments of the season because, obviously, you know, I just think the energy is super cool. I'm super excited. I'm really excited that it's in Fort Worth. I feel like that's a really cool environment to have it in. And this field is full of Josephina and I's favorites, to be honest. And we've had some, you know, we have the players who have dominated this season, Shviatek, Jabour, and Pagula. We also have a lot of young talent in here with Shviatek, Goff, um, and the likes. And we also have some really good comeback players, resurgent players, like Caroline Garcia and Daria Kazakina, who we have, you know, reported a lot about, um, especially kind of during the, the U.S. Open-ish portion of the season. But it's a really dynamic group. Mm-hmm. So first up, let's talk about Iga Shviatek, the obvious um first seed here so she is just an she's had just an absolutely phenomenal season near perfect if anything 62 to 8 win loss record in 2022 two grand slams and four 1000 um titles and a 37 match win streak and i was just looking at it like actually looking at the results from that win streak and to see all the w's in a row like to actually see it just crazy and she's going to be playing Kasakina first tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, Iga, I feel like this is her, this has been her season. This has been her past two years, and this year she came back even better. Um, so I'm super excited about that. I'm also super excited to see Coco Goff in the mix here. She is finally kind of translating her potential into Grand Slam, big tournament level potential, which is what we saw this year. Um you know, she's just getting better and better, making the French Open final, which was her first Grand Slam final. And this was in the same week that she graduated high school. If you guys remember that photo she took with her cap and gown in front of the Eiffel Tower, which was pretty badass. Um, she said about it, I accomplished something off the court, so I felt fulfilled and I felt good about myself. I think it translated into my game. When you're not dealing with school and you feel good about something other than tennis, it makes your self-confidence go up. I feel like that's such a cool mindset to have. And super relatable kind of at this age with her like I think you know that's something that 
we often forget because she is so mature um but it's crazy how she's been able to do this and i think we're finally seeing her transition from this image of like teen prodigy prod oh my god <laughs> teen prodigy to legitimate player like established player on mm-hmm. tour i think that's a transition we've really seen this year because and it's of been her so seamless yeah because of her good play at the slam level this year she also made the u.s open quarterfinals and the matchup we're seeing is one that's super interesting. She's playing Caroline Garcia. I believe they played against each other at the U.S. Open um, in that quarterfinal. Can you fact check that for me? Yeah, let me check. <laughs> but, I mean, Caroline Garcia, if we want to talk about her, she's one of the players that I was mentioning before that we kind of have seen as, like, a resurgent comeback um player of the year yes she started true. caroline garcia beat coco golf in the u.s open quarterfinal six three six four see i did not forget everything about tennis very good that was impressive i'm proud that was impressive. that's my co-host <laughs> um so she started this year at 74 in the rankings and she was injured and then it all came together in the second half of this season Mm-hmm. She won the Cincinnati 1000 as a qualifier and then made the U.S. Open semifinals, as we just established. And like I said, she's going to be playing Coco Golf tomorrow. So that's going to be their first round robin. And then finally, we have Daria Kasakina, the eighth seed here, and just another huge comeback season like Garcia's. So in 2021, she finished inside the top 30 for the first time since 2019. And in 2022, she finished inside the top 10 for the first time since 2019. So very much on her way back up. And at the Rome 1000 event, she made her first WTA 1000 semifinal in four years. And she took two U.S. Open warm-up titles, the Mubadala 500 and Granby 250. So also strong hardcourt season. And is currently at a career high ranking of number eight. So it's been a huge year for her off court too. And that's because she even said herself she feels more, quote, free and happy after coming out. And that was some huge news this year too from her. So that was the Tracy Austin group. And now we're going to talk about the Nancy Ritchie group, which is Jabor, Pagula, Sakari, and Sabaleka. Yeah, so let's start with Anjabor, the second seed here at Fort Worth, somebody who we've been rooting for since the OG days. So let's get into it because Jabor has had such a breakthrough season this year, making two Grand Slam finals, Wimbledon and then US Open. And she also won two titles this season um, with the Berlin 500 and Madrid 1000. So very big titles. And she has made history for Tunisia and the Arab world along the way. So she is a multitasking trailblazer queen. And, <laughs> um, and like, let's even talk about last year because she actually got cut out of the WTA finals after Annette Contivate's crazy indoor season run. And now she's coming into Fort Worth as the number two player in the world. So crazy comeback from her. And she is currently playing Sabalenka, but Sabalenka leads their head to head two to one. But does that really mean anything? No, not at all. And, I mean, Anja Bohr made an interesting choice because she has only played one tournament since her U.S. Open run. Um, so definitely coming in with less match play in recent months than her competitors. 
but we have seen Jabour in the past struggle with when she has a lot of back-to-back match plays, struggle with injuries, struggle with fatigue. So I do think this was a smart move. I hope that she can make a big run here, especially since, you know, she kind of lost out on those two grand slams, um, but really showed good potential and really good improvement this year. So, you know, she spoke about how she did feel really tired after the U.S. Open. So I think this is smart scheduling. Um, it's just a matter of can she keep that same mentality and this time potentially just take it another step further because the thing about the tour finals is every match you play is against one of the other one a fellow top player of the year um which is those later stages matches that you would see at a grand slam yeah um and now we have jessica pagula the third seed and she actually lost her first match against sakari today and that was a rematch of the guadalajara final and other than that, though, she has been absolutely killing it because we mentioned earlier how she's climbed her way up to top three in the rankings after winning the biggest title of her career, which is the Guadalajara 1000. And this is her WTA Finals debut, and she's just been in incredible form over the past couple of seasons, starting 2021 at number 62. And I believe 2021 was the year that she made the Australian Open semifinals. Was that Quarters, I think it was quarters. quarters. Yeah, either way, she did amazing at the Australian Open, and she just has been on her way up since then. She's made the quarters or better at three out of four slams this year, Australian Open, um, French Open, and the U.S. Open, and she has had the most 1,000 wins on tour over the past two seasons um, at 39. So she made the Madrid final with that and then won Guadalajara. Guadalajara (laughs) (laughs) and yeah in addition to that we said the Americans are killing it and she's actually also in doubles with Coco so those two are also multitasking queens exactly exactly um we also have Maria Sakari here who I fully was not expecting her to make it but here we are. She was actually here last year as well and had a super strong beginning of the season, reached the second week of the Australian Open, reached the Indian Wells final, got to top three in the rankings. But then after that, it kind of just like went downhill. She was five and five on clay, lost in the second round of the US Open where she made the semifinals the year prior. So Maria really fought for this position last minute. It's kind of like when you procrastinate a big assignment and then you pull it off at the end and you're like, you hit the submit button, you're like, thank God I just did that. Because she clinched the last spot and she defeated Veronica Kudermatova um, in Guadalajara to seal that spot in Texas for her. And it was like so much emotion. Like I remember seeing the pictures after she won. Like she, it was tense. It was a three setter. And I, that's why it's funny because some of these players we see, have seen them. Either have they been on a steady uphill progression over the year. Some of them have been at a top level throughout the year, kind of like Shuyatik and Jabour. Some of them had, like, spots in the year where they were really good and then downhill um, areas, kind of like Sakari and who were, and Sabalenka, who we're going to talk about next. And then there's those, like, Garcia and Kazakina, who kind of, like, as I was saying earlier, got better and better. Um, so that's why I think it's a little bit surprising to see Maria Sakari in this mix because... I, she doesn't come across as, like, someone who I remember doing really well throughout the season. Um, but she clearly 
can fight when necessary. So, well-deserved. Yeah. And that's, like, what makes the draw so interesting because, like, you can't just take into account who's there. You have to take into account, like, who's done well recently because, like, I mean, it's all over the place with all these players and that's just how tennis is. But that's really how tennis is for this last player, Arena Sabalenka, the seventh seed, who has been so up and down for as long as we can remember. Like, just remember her whole double faulting stint. Like, like what what was happening? Like, not we don't even double fault that much. I don't... It's just... Well, club tennis practices lately have been riddled with a lot of double faults for me. I will just say that. So speak for yourself, because I am in a bit of a Sabalenka moment. I literally have not been to tennis in, like, two weeks, because I've been so busy. <laughs> <laughs> I skipped practice yesterday. I was like, I can't. I have too much work. I cannot do this right now. See, that's when you know there's a problem, when we can't prioritize tennis anymore. But um, enough about <laughs> us. <laughs> so she still manages to pull it out when necessary, only player to have finished in the top 10 for the past three seasons how great question but that's the thing like she does it like that's the thing about her like no matter what like the worst type of situation she could be in she finds a way like she always does yeah she she's interesting um i'd like to speak to her mental coach i just She's Does like, she have a mental coach? I feel like she's her own mental she, coach. I feel oh. like she's just, like, different breed. <laughs> That's so accurate. Yeah. Like, I feel like she's just, like, a whole nother level. Like, honestly, like, she was getting so much hate for the double fault thing. Like, that's kind of hard. Like, people yeah. were making fun of her. And, I mean, like, look at her. She's here. It's only player to have finished in the top ten for the past three seasons on the WTA. Like, that's... Yeah, she always finds a way. And, like, she didn't do horribly. Like, she had a successful clay season. She made the Cincinnati and U.S. Open semifinals. And then also two WTA 1000 semis and two finals. Didn't win anything, though. But that's that's kind of, like, that's because we're gauging success off of that. But you don't have to win in order to be good in tennis, which is very lucky. (laughs) Because I've never won anything. But enough about me. Um, (laughs) So she's currently playing ons, and like we said, she's leading that head-to-head two-to-one. And but like, what is that? Doesn't mean it. Yeah, like, okay, congratulations. Um. Anyways, let's get down to business. Let's talk about the vibes that we're feeling. For me personally, Iga is coming off of a super strong season, just winning the San Diego title and making the final of another with no Barbie K to beat her again. Like, literally, get mm-hmm. out of here. She's in the tournament, just not in singles. Thank goodness. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was, like, really... After every episode, my mom listens to every episode. After every episode, she texts me. She's like, I find Josefina's comments about Barbara Krejcikova the funniest things ever. <laughs> Like, she will, like, talk to me on the phone about that. Like, she will be like, Josefina is so funny. And I'm like, I'm aware. Like, that's what, like, I'm well aware of that. Just, like, the Um, blatant hate. Just, no. (laughs) It will never work for us. But, um, yeah, I don't know if it's patriotic bias, but I really do hope that Jessica Pagula and Coco Golf do really well here and can go deep because I just I just want to see them do well. They deserve it so much and 
you know, they're, they're, they're currently my queens, so, yeah. I honestly am really excited about Bakul and Coco as well, like, they're two, ple- and also in the doubles together, like, that's, like, a big deal, like, they're really pulling it off here. I personally am really excited to see Garcia and Kazakina in the mix. I kind of mentioned this before, but two players who we have seen in the top of the tour before and years later they're coming back and making a resurgence I think is really interesting because it kind of adds a different dynamic to the field kind of compared to players like who have been playing at the top the whole year um those who have been a bit more spotty like Sabalenka and Sakari so I'm interested to see if like they very well could be the ones who come out on top because they kind of have had that trajectory of momentum and a little bit lower stakes on them so I think that's really um, going to be a big uh, part of how this goes. I also think that this is a big moment for Iga Swiatek, as you were saying, to solidify herself as the player of the tour, um, continue to see her dominate. And there are players like Jabor, once again, who I'm, I'm nervous about her, honestly, because like, we saw what happened at Wimbledon in the U.S. Open. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering how she and... Coco even are gonna rise to the occasion because they've been in that situation where they've been almost there and then mm-hmm. it slipped so close but um I think we've successfully made up for our absence with this you know banger of an episode so hopefully we'll see you soon we had so much fun like I don't know if you can tell but like this is the first we time needed this. <laughs> this is the first time we have talked to each other in so long on the phone so we were excited about that. We were excited to get caught up in tennis again. We've had very stressful past few weeks and past couple of months, but it's all, you know, being a student is hard, but being a podcaster <laughs> is too. So, but it's fun. But it's, it's better. Fun. Exactly. It's fine. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, and that is game, set, and match for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of upcoming tennis and, of course, all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore tennis pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released as the WTA Finals continue. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravi. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hold on to your racket until next time.